You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. Last week, we were exploring a number of different meanings for the word bracha, for the word baruch. This word that's really kind of the centerpiece of how we pray. That at the core of all of our tefillot, our tefillot are basically composed of brachot, of blessings that we say to our Creator, that we address to God. And beyond the formal prayers, we spoke about how basically brachot are things that accompany us throughout our lives and are, are things that we say and pronounce um, in all sorts of situations where we basically are encountering the divine in our daily lives, ritual lives, brachot on mitzvot, um, life cycle events where we make brachot, brach pirkot enjoyment and pleasure that we derive from the world, things that we see, things that we hear. All of these experiences evoke bracha and are moments that we connect to God through this channel of bracha. And one of the meanings that we mentioned had to do with maybe the most surprising one was based on the Sefer Habahir, a Kabbalistic text that suggests that bracha may in fact have to do with the word berech, with the word ni. As it says, ki liti berech in Yeshayahu, that all knees shall bend to me. And I want to relate now um, to that meaning of knee and of the knee that is coming down to the earth as kind of the focal point of what we're going to explore today. And that is the way that we bow in prayer. The kriya, with a kaf resh ayin, kriya, the bending and bowing pro, uh, postures of tefillah. You know, we oftentimes think of the ways that we daven as the words that we say, the different components that make up the prayer, the texts of the prayer. Um, and then when we look even more so, the, the form of tefillah has, you know, we have to have proper kavana. We have to be in particular kind of locations, face a certain direction, wear certain clothes, not be near other things. But there's another expression of our prayer, and that is how we hold our bodies in tefillah. We, first of all, stand when we daven. The tefillah itself is called tefillat ha'amida, which you could say is just a description of what you're doing when you're praying. But I want to suggest that tefillat ha'amida, and I believe as we'll see in some of our makorot here and our sources here, the way that we stand, the way that we bow, and the way that we stand up again are actually themselves part and parcel of the prayer itself. And to begin, I want to share with you a gemara in Brachos Daf Kaftet Amud Aleph 29a, the Gemara asks, Hanish Munasre Kenegin Mi. They ask, these 18 Brachot that compose the Amida, the Shemona Esrei, right, the 18 prayer, what do they parallel? The Gemara is working out of an assumption that 18 must be parallel to some kind of prior template. There must be specific reason for 18. 
why 18? So there's a number of, of reasons given, but I want to share with you the opinion of Rabbi Tanchum. Rabbi Tanchum says the name of Rabbi Yoshub and Levi. The 18 blessings of our central prayer correspond to the 18 vertebrae in the spine, the 18 vertebrae that compose the spinal column. Now, as far as contemporary anatomy is concerned, we count many more than 18 vertebrae, but my assumption here is that Chazal are focusing on the two central sections of the spine, um, I believe what we call the lumbar area and the thoracic area or thoracic area, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, which between the two of them compose seven, includes 17 vertebrae. And I'm not sure if the 18th is, is at the top by the, the base of the neck or at the bottom by the sacrum. But, but as far as the rabbis are concerned, they count 18 vertebrae that compose the spine. And so what's wild here is that Rabbi Tanchum, quoting Rabbi Shuvan Levi, is saying these 18 brachot that Chazal set as the form of our prayer, they don't correspond, like the other opinions say, to you know certain verses and, and psukim from really important texts. No, they are mapped on the vertebrae of the spinal column. And <clears throat> Rabbi Tanchum goes on to quote, in the name of Yerushua ben Levi, another teaching about the spine as it relates to prayer. He says, One who is praying must bow, must bend their back until all of the vertebrae in their spine are protruding. So now, we look at this and we see a statement which is suggesting that this tefillat ha'amida, this standing prayer, is actually modeled on the part of our body that allows us to stand. The part of our body that, in the most physical, mamash, bone structure, gives our body the ability to stand upright. And part of our prayer is that we stand with this spinal column, and we, when we bow as part of our prayer, we actually express the vertebrae. We push them to, to pop and stick out, to protrude, as if the way that we bow is itself a statement, an expression of the prayer. Now, before we go on, the, the way in which our vertebrae, our spine, gives us the ability to stand goes much more, goes, goes much deeper than, than merely bone structure. We literally would not be able to live in this body without a functioning spine. It's in a sense that central command center of the entire nervous system that, you know, we're, we're our whole body is hanging here by that, by that thread by this spinal cord that is held in place and held together through the vertebrae, through the spinal column, and that allows us to function for the whole body to be animated and, 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 and really be alive. And when we're davening, it is that very embodied visceral source and core of vitality in our bodies that our prayer is somehow an expression of. 
And what we see here is that the physical posture of standing and then of bowing is itself part and parcel, a core expression of what tefillah is. I'm not going to unpack that fully right now, but I want to look at some more makorot with you, more sources about this act of bowing and that express how the bowing itself is itself an expression, a fundamental and essential expression of prayer. To start with, I'm going to read you a parallel statement in the, the Gemara Yerushalmi. This is in the, in the Jerusalem Talmud, Yerushalmi Brachot, where this same statement is brought, but in the name of a different Chacham. Amar Rabbi Simon. Rabbi Simon says that the 18 Brachot parallel, once again, the 18 Chuliot Shebeshidra, those 18 vertebrae of the spine. Now he goes further. He says, because when a person stands to pray, interesting use of words, they must bow in all of the 18 blessings. As far as Rabbi Simon is concerned, the act of prayer is done entirely in a bowing position, or rather, with each of these 18 brachot, we are meant to be bowing and bending our spine. Ma'atam, he says, what's the reason for this? What is our source for this? It says unto him, Kol tomarna All of my bones shall speak, shall pronounce God who is like you. Rabbi Simon is saying, to really pray, to really praise, our bones need to be speaking the prayer. How do our bones speak the prayer? Our bones speak the prayer by bowing every time we make a blessing, by showing the spinal column, by showing the vertebrae. And here already we're getting, I believe, another layer of what it could mean that our tefillah is based on that most essential, core, central part of our body. We are, in a sense, expressing to our source, how it is that we are held here alive. I am viscerally, physically showing what my life depends upon with every blessing that I speak. I'm showing God, I'm showing myself, I'm showing the world these little bones that grant me life. And when I address my source, when I address my Creator, this is a very embodied physical way for me to both have the awareness and express that reality, that, that here I am, my life hanging on the thread, the gift that comes from its source. And this idea of bracha or of tefillah being related to the act of kneeling it actually appears much earlier than, than the Gemara. We actually see it already in Tanakh. I'm going to give you one example that that is is actually quite familiar to all of us. And we say it at the beginning of Kabbalat Shabbat, in Tehillim, um, Tehillim Tzadihei, Tehillim 95. We say, right? Hashem, Come praise God. It's all about us coming to praise God. And, and in verse 6, we say, Let us prostrate ourselves and bow. Now, generally speaking, people read that, they probably think it means, let's be blessed before God. But look at these words here. Prostration. Bowing, nivracha. What does nivracha mean? 
It doesn't mean to be blessed. And in fact, according to most of the Rishonim, the Mefarshim, the Rashi, Ibn Ezra, and others, the language of bracha, of nivracha here, is lashon vayavrech. Rashi says, vayavrech et agmalim. It says when Avraham's servant comes to look for a wife for Yitzchak, he brings the, ca- the camels down to the earth. He ha- brings them to kneel on the earth. Ibn Ezra says, vayavrech al birkav. It's about kneeling on our knees. Nivracha lifnei Hashem and to get even more explicit about, about kneeling on the knees as an act of tefillah or as the, pros, the posture of prayer, I want to share with you a verse from Sefer Daniel, from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. This is actually the backstory of how Daniel ends up in the lion's den, that there's a decree passed, and anyone who needs something, they can only ask the king for it. They can't pray to their own gods. And it says that in, in Daniel Vav Yud Aleph, Daniel Kiyada Dirashim Ketava, he know, when Daniel heard about this um, decree that was written, he goes up to his house. And up in the attic of his of his house, there are windows facing Yerushalayim. Three times a day, Three times a day, Daniel goes up to his attic, and he's barech al bechohi. He's kneeling on his knees, and he's praying mitzale umode kadam and he's um, acknowledging, he's showing gratitude to God. The way that Daniel davens three times a day is by kneeling on the ground. So, You might say, okay, that's interesting. Daniel, he was this prophet, and, and maybe he prayed in this special way. I mean, after all, he lived a really long time ago. Who knows? Maybe things changed. But I, I want to show you that actually the practice of, of bowing all the way down to the ground is actually something that, that continues, and we see other examples of. I want to share with you now from Gemara Bracha once again, Daflamid Aleph Amid Bet. And here the Gemara is actually beginning, this, the context of the discussion here is what Kavana in Tefillah is. The Gemara opens by saying, It's talking about someone who davens, needs to daven with Kavana, with intention, with focused prayer. And they then go on to share the way that Rabbi Akiva used to daven. It really seems from context that this is an example of somebody who davened with kavana. Tanya Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, this is what he used to do. When he davened with the community, he would go quickly. He would go through the tefillah in a, in a short, concise way. He didn't want to hold everybody up. But when he would pray between him and himself, it's so beautiful phrase. But when, when Rabbi Kiva davened alone, a person would, you could find Rabbi Kiva, he'd start off in one corner of the room and he'd end up in the opposite corner. What moved him across the house, across the room? Because of all the bowing and prostration. Rabbi Akiva, when he davened alone, so when he davened in Sibor, he would daven like everybody else. He would go quickly and be, be pretty brief. When he davened alone, he would just be throwing himself on the floor over and over again until he ended up on the other end of the house. 
And the Mepharshim here discuss, you know, Rabbi Kiva was, he was so immersed and devoted in his tefillah, he just couldn't help but, but, but throw his body onto the floor. This wasn't a conscious, um, formulaic kind of prayer. This is the expression of somebody who was davening with real kavanah, with a, a real attuned heart. When they were fully in what they were doing, this is what Rabbi Kiva looked like when he was davening this way. And interestingly enough, the very next lines of the Gemara actually refer to those verses we just read from Daniel to learn specific halachot about how we're supposed to be davening, that we're supposed to be davening in a room with windows like Daniel had, that we're supposed to be davening, we daven three times a day like Daniel did, that we're supposed to face Yerushalayim when we daven. Daniel's prayer as much as we might say, no, that's not what our prayer looks like. It actually becomes a source of, of specific halachot, um, of what the setting of prayer is supposed to look like, which, again, is, is another vantage point on kavana. We generally think of kavana as, as kavana talev. It's what is my heart attuned to, what is on my mind, what is my, my, my kind of mental state and emotional state. But we're seeing that there are other layers of kavana. There's a layer of kavana, which is, what is the state of my body? Is my body attuned to what I'm doing? Is my body engaged in what I'm doing? Rabbi Akiva, his kavana is expressed through his body. Daniel adds a whole other piece, which is, you know, look at these words, that the, the windows, chavin ptichan vilete, that they were pointed to. Those windows were mechuvanim. There's a kavana in the direction of the room that he davened in, in the direction of the windows he davened, looking through. It's just a, a, a beautiful, kind of all-encompassing description of what the entire set and setting of our davening is meant to enhance and bring us to a truly um, immersed and aligned experience of prayer. And this is expressed halakhically. The room is supposed to look a certain way. The room is supposed to be in a specific direction. There's supposed to be windows there. The Rambam in his halachot here, uh, he talks about what kind of decorations should be in the room or shouldn't be there. We don't want distracting things on the walls. We want a, an entire environment that's going to be conducive to tefillah. And we know that the, there are halachot about what you wear when you daven, what you don't wear when you daven. What kind of other smells and, and things should be in the room or shouldn't be in the room? And how you hold your body. And that's the level, the level that we're talking about here, how you hold your body when you daven. It's all part of creating and engaging in tefillah in a holistic, engaged way. And... This is a bit shocking, perhaps, but, you know, we're seeing Rabbi Kiva, Daniel, they're on their knees, they're on the ground. We don't see people davening like that, right? Well, I want to share with you the way that the Rambam describes the bowing in prayer. Lahalacha in the Mishnah Torah. This is from Hilchot Tfilah, Birkat Kohanim, um, chapter 5, uh, Halachot 12 and 13. The Rambam here is saying, he starts off by saying that in the Tfilah Shmona Asrei, we bow, we do Kriya. Five times. With the first, Baruch Hashem, the opening of, of Avot. At the end of Avot, Baruch Hashem, Magin Avraham. At the beginning of Modim, right? Modim Anachnulach. At the end of Modim, Hatov Shimcha, Luchan Elohodot. And at the very end, when we take 
you know, depart, uh, step out of our tefillah, and we bow in three directions. So those are the five kriyot. And look what he goes, he says. The Rambam says, all of these bowings, we need to bend ourselves, bend our backs, until all of the vertebrae in our spine are protruding, as we saw in the Gemara. And we should make ourselves into a bow. You know, it's like, already just this description here, it's, uh, you know, who says that Jews don't do yoga? Mamash, the, the way that you daven. Are your vertebrae popping out yet? Oh, you have to stretch a little further. Imagine yourself like a bow. Oh, there you go. That's the position of Kriya. Now, that's halakhically speaking the ideal way to do to do a bow. He goes on, he says, well, if you bow just a little bit and you put yourself into a little bit of discomfort and look like you're bowing with all your strength, okay, you did enough. You did enough bowing. But the ideal way, from a halachic perspective, from a perspective of, of, of tefillah, is to be bowing, bending our back to pop out the, the vertebrae and make ourselves like a bow. But now look what he says in the next halacha. This is really, the next halacha here is called directly from, from Gemara and Brachot and Daf Lamedalid that, that speaks about the different kinds of bowing and prostration. There's something called Hishtachavaya. There's something called Kriya and there's something called Kida. Look what the Rambam says. Hishtachavaya ketzad. What is hishtachavaya? Achar shemagbiya rosho mikriya chamishit yeshiv laaretz venofel al panav artsa. After a person picks up their head from the final bow, the final kriya of the amida, right? When you take those three steps back and you bow in three directions, you pick your head up immediately. Yeshiv laaretz. Sit down on the earth, the nofel al panav artsa, and we should be falling on our face with our face against the ground. And here we should be begging God, begging God with all of the beggings that we desire, anything that's on our heart. Now I read this, and immediately. We think I think of Tachanun or Nefilat Apaim, right? That's the the prayer that we say at the end after immediately after Shemona Esrei. It's that's what the Ram is describing here. Nefilat Apaim means the face falling, which is what he says we should be literally physically doing, and Tachanun means begging, which he also says you beg for whatever you want. But I actually wonder if the original practice that the Rambam is describing here even includes that final portion of the Shemona Esrei that we say, Elohai Netzor, Mera, and all those things, those are really called from the, the Gemara and Brachot as well, which describe what different Chachamim used to say, what were their words that they would say at the end of the Amida? What were their prayers and requests after they said all of the Brachot? Now, obviously, the way that we do it now, we say that and only afterwards we take the three steps back in the bowing. But I, I really wonder if, if originally, or in the way that the Rambam is seeing it, that it was all one thing. You just ask for whatever is, whatever is on your heart at that point. But what is clear is that he's saying that nefilat that happens here, hishtachavaya, is a falling onto the ground with our face against the ground. That's hishtachavaya. But what we do in the Amida is called kriya. Right? That's called Kriya. Now look what he says. Kriya ha'amura b'chol makom al birkaim. Kriya, every time it is discussed, it is talking about being on your knees. Kriya is a kneel. 
In the previous halacha, the Rambam described the five times we are korea in the Amida, that we are supposed to be korea by bending our back till the vertebrae are protruding. But he's saying here that when he's talking about we are on our knees while we're doing that, we get down on our knees and then we bend our backs all the way like a bow. Now, common practice today is not to kneel on the earth, but it is when we say Baruch, as we're going to see this original source in the Gemara, when we say Baruch, we bend our knees. That bending of the knee is in place of a full-bodied kneel. As far as the Rambam's concerned, the way to daven the Amida is five times to fall to your knees and bow down. He goes on and he says, Kida, another form of, of bowing, is, is a face bow, the face down on the floor, which, and then Hishtachavaya, and what I think, I believe what's different with Hishtachavaya and Kida, Hishtachavaya, Zepishut Yadaim Raglaim, it's, it's spreading out the hands and the legs until our face is completely flat against the ground. Uh, perhaps Kida is a, a face to the floor without full-bodied prostration, without the arms spread, but maybe somewhere in between Kriya and Ishtachavaya. But, but to bring us back to our focus here, Kriya, the bowing in the Amida, in the standing prayer, the times that we bow, we are meant to be coming to our knees. We are meant to be kneeling down. And what's just remarkable is the way that the Gemara itself describes what words, when in the tefillah we do kriya, when do we bow? I'm reading now from Brachot, Daf Yud Bet Amun Aleph. Rabbi Barchinina teaches in the name of Rav, Hamit Palel, one who is davening, Kshuhu Korea. When one bows, when one bends their back, when one stretches out their spine, they bow bivaruch. Now, obviously, it means when you say the word baruch. And we know that within the gufa tefillah, within the actual brachot themselves, there's, you know, three out of four times we bow when we, we start the bow when we say the word baruch at the beginning. Those are all times that the word Baruch is where we bow. And that's exactly what the Gemara is teaching. But I I think it's it's obvious to me that when the Gemara says Koreh Baruch, it's also making the link between Baruch, between Bracha and Berech. And a knee, because when the Gemara is speaking about Kriya, as we saw from the Rambam, and as the Gemara itself says a few pages later in Brachot, the Kriya is a act of kneeling. So we just, it's so hard for us to, to relate to this in a, in, a, in a visceral way. But just imagine when I bow and say Baruch, Baruch Ata. I'm not saying merely, Baruch, you are blessed. It's not just some kind of conceptual statement. I'm literally coming to my knees. My knees are coming down and touching the floor when I say Baruch. In a sense, I am acting out with my body the thing that I'm saying. 
what we saw last week from, from the Rabbeinu B'chaya, and for, based on the Bahir and some of the other principles that we, we really lifted from, from the meaning of Bracha, is that we're talking about something from the Divine coming earthward. earthward. <laughs> something from God being manifest in this material experience. In this material universe, that is bracha, right? Just think about what you ask in your davening. You ask for things like health and parnasa and redemption and 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 freedom and liberation and justice. These are we're asking God. These are your part of your. These are in your realm, God. These are you know whether they are your mido to your qualities as the mikubalim. Um, see the Amida, whether we're saying these are things that you are the creator of in a more pshat level. What we are asking is God make this come from you into our earthly realm and experience. Allow it to unfold into the earth, into the ground that we walk and live upon. And so when we say Baruch, we ourselves bring our bodies to the ground. We bend our knee to touch the ground, just like the bracha we are asking for it to descend, so to speak, for it to unfurl from its source, from its origin into our lives. And the Gemara goes on, when we pick ourselves up again, when we straighten out our backs, we do so in the name. Right? What's the formula? Baruch Ata Hashem Amar Shmuel Maitama Shmuel asks, What's the reason that you are Zokef Bashem, that you stand up? When you speak God's name, Dichtiv Hashem Zokef Kfufim. As it says, God straightens out the bent. God lifts up those who are bent over. Yudke Vavke raises up the bent ones. So here we are bending ourselves in Baruch and not so much raising ourselves when we say God's name, but in Shmuel's take here, being raised up by God, being raised up by God's name when we speak it. The Kumar goes on and asks Akashya, uh, They ask, but the Pasuk says, before my name, you should be Bowed down to the ground. You should lower yourself before my name. How could you dare stand up when you say my name? We need to be lowering ourselves before the all-powerful God. <laughs> Does the Pasuk say, in my name you should lower yourself? No, the Pasuk says, before my name you should lower yourself. Before my name or in my name? We do lower ourselves before God's name. When we say Baruch and when we say Atta, we are bow we are bending our knees and bowing our backs. But when we get to God's name, we are no longer Mipneshmi, the Gemara is saying, you're no longer before my name. You are Bishem, Zokef Bashem. You are standing up in God's name. When we are in God's name, 
Hashem zokif kfufim. When we're in God's name, we're no longer before God. We're somehow now immersed within God. And we are submerged within God while God actually picks us up and holds us up here. And I want to suggest that this expression here in the Gemara about how the bowing is happening and what words it is corresponding to is actually describing a process of how we are relating to and orienting ourselves to our Creator when we're doing this. And furthermore, how our back and our spine, as we've been talking about today, is itself the act of prayer, is engaging in the act of prayer. Because when I'm saying Baruch, when I'm addressing God, I am bowing before God. I am acknowledging something here that is Baruch, something here that is blessed, that has been given, that is that is coming from the, the mashpia, that is God is pushing something, producing something, generating something in my world that I'm recognizing as Baruch. It is other than me, it is it is something blessed, it is something I'm recognizing that it comes from beyond me. Or in the case of Bakashot, I am recognizing that that which I hope for and desire will come to me only from somewhere beyond me. And I say, Baruch Ata. I'm orienting myself towards you. But when I get to God's name, I'm being lifted up again from it. I'm being lifted up again by it. Which, to me, is... In a sense, think about what I'm doing with my back, right? I bend my back, I let the vertebrae protrude, I bow my head, I might even be down on my knees. I'm in a sense not only completely vulnerable and at the mercy of the one before whom I'm bowing, but I'm also in full awareness and an embodied acknowledgement that my life depends on somebody else that my life comes from you and depends on you and all that I can hope for and ask for and all that I have is from no one else but you. And here, in a sense, I'm offering those chuliot to you, those, those vertebrae, my very life, bending it and bowing it before you. And then I get to the point of standing up and how is it that I stand when I know so clearly and fully that all I am and all that I have and all that I hope for is from you, the Makor HaBracha, the source of all bracha. How, how do I possibly have standing here? Well, what I, what I want to suggest here is that it's, it's actually after the point of really acknowledging that all I have comes from God, it's only then that I can truly stand up. And I'm no longer standing before God as a separate individual asking something from you. I'm, I'm, I'm standing up and acknowledging even more fully that my very standing here is nothing else but an expression of the divine. Hashem zokef kfufim. How am I standing here? How is this spine being straightened out again, being given the ability to simply and fully live here with all that it is and all that is here this is in god's name
I am now b'shem. I begin by bowing and bending and before you. And I let that awareness really fully penetrate my bones. And then from that powerful awareness, I realize, oh, but I'm here. And if it is so clear to me that I come from you, well, then I am here as part of you. I'm here because of you. When I stand up, I stand up in your name. I stand up, I'm upheld by your name. I'm hanging once again on a thread that you are holding, that you are lifting up. We'll continue in subsequent classes in studying the bowing because there's much more to explore here, but I want to just offer you for the time being it's an opportunity here when we're davening, when we begin, when we stand. We already talked about the steps that we take back, the steps we take forward, coming into a standing position. Chazal is saying this davening, this feel that we're doing, it's an expression of the spine. So it's an invitation here to give some attention to our body when we pray. To bring our awareness not only to the meaning of our words and, and, and to the feelings of our heart and to our hopes and longings and desires, but to our very body itself. To allow the body to be part of our kavana, to be part of our prayer. To listen and notice our spine. To notice the experience of standing. To when we bow, when we bend our knees, when we bow our backs, take a little time to have kavana, kavanata goof. Bring awareness to the body. God can hear the prayer of our bodies. That can be part of the communication too. And as we listen more to the prayer of the bodies, so our bodies will be filled with more prayer. The knee, the blessing, the bending, the chuliot shebeshidra, the chai chuliot, those 18 living vertebrae, that kernel of life, that corridor of life that is constantly active in our spines, that's part of the expression of our prayer. Use it. Pray with it. Zokev, Zokev Peshem. When we say God's name, when we stand up, let ourselves be standing up in the name. When we daven with our bodies in this way, and more so, all of a sudden the tefillah becomes a much closer experience. It can help make this a much more intimate form of joining with God in prayer, of whatever you want to call it, dvekut or kavanah or inspiration or just awareness and, and davening from an awakened state of mind and heart and body as well. Kol atzmatai tomarna, let all of my bones speak to you.
Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.